0: Welcome to another episode of the Listen In Podcast with Jake and Sean. We are on episode 18. We're officially legal. And to celebrate our 18th birthday on the podcast, we have a very special guest, big friend of the pod. It's Ian Hughes. One of the biggest. So he actually is responsible for our intro music. Uh, and he's a new musical project that we're going to talk to him about later on in the episode.
1: And I'm going to, I'm going to put myself on the record now as pronouncing it Bruna Boyne, right? That's the correct pronunciation. That is correct. That is correct. All That's
0: right. right. Yeah. So we're going to get into that in a little bit. Um, so Ian is in the studio with us today.
1: And it, the studio, Sean, is is Ian's own basement. <laughs> That's right. So
0: we've moved from one basement to another. We have. These are our studios. So he's in the studio, so he'll probably have a few takes on some of the things we're talking about before we dive into the interview session. But basically what's going to happen is we're going to talk to Ian about his new project. He's going to play us a couple songs. We're going to talk about the local music scene in New Hampshire. So for anybody who is listening to this outside of the state of New Hampshire... Sorry. Yeah, I apologize. But or, or, or,
2: or come here, maybe. Come, yeah, here. come
0: here, yeah. Thriving music scene. <laughs> It's, it's, we'll see. It's no, getting... we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> and like it's near a few. Yeah, pretty thriving. So ones. we're gonna talk yeah. about that, and, we're, and you're gonna see what it's like to be making music in a place that isn't a big metropolitan area or doesn't have like a thriving music scene. So emphasis
1: the, on not a metropolitan area. Right. So some a, of the uh, yeah.
0: some of the challenges of that. We're gonna we're gonna dive into that. But first, what we wanted to do is talk about some new releases, Jake.
1: That's right. And the first one that we wanted to talk about, and Ian, I think we'd like your take on this as well, is the new Weezer album, the White Album, back at it again with the White Album, um, <laughs> stealing that, ripping that off uh, completely. But um, what do you think of this, Sean? I, I, I'm a fan. I like this. I like this new album from Weezer.
0: So, this is this is a really good album. So, all right, let's I'm let's back movie. up. Let's back up. All right, really good. <sighs> I'm doubling down. It's really good. Here's the deal. Look, Weezer has been with us for 20 years now. Okay? We've had the Blue Album, which is an all-time classic. We've had Pinkerton, all-time classic. Disappeared for a bit. and They came back with some middling releases in the early to mid. Building on the
2: myth. It was great.
0: Yes. You know, you had them going completely pop in 2005 with Beverly Hills and songs like that. You had some not-so-great releases with the Ratitudes of the world, the hurlies of the world. I opened up my Spotify this past Friday, not really expecting a whole lot from this new Weezer album. I was like, I'm going to listen just because this is a legacy band who I like their earlier work. I'm going to give them a try. So I listened to it, and I actually tweeted out. I was like, I'm enjoying a new Weezer album in 2016. This is not something I expected to be saying saw that tweet so tweet. Ian saw it saw that that's tweet. a that's a quick plug to, <laughs> to follow both Jake and Sean on, on Twitter and the Level 4 media account
1: but anyways I like this album so I think it, it's
0: really good it's full, it's full of big hooks
1: yeah and, and Ian I want to get your dissenting opinion after but my basic take on this is that I'm a guy who I've listened to the Blue Album a ton I've listened to Pinkerton a ton love both albums, have not ever really explored, minus the hits that you've heard, like the Beverly Hills, Island in the Sun, those hits, haven't listened to anything in between. So literally it's Blue Album, Pinkerton, and now I've listened to uh, this new, the White Album. And and honestly, having thrown it on, I've listened to it a few times, the hooks on it are, are inf- insanely infectious, as you would expect from Rivers Cuomo. Um, and I don't know, to me, the, the sound they have going on here is like, it harkens back a little bit to, I think, what they were doing with stuff like the Blue Album and stuff. Like, even on California Kids, it's called, yep. California Kids, they have, like, the ooh, like, that kind of, like, just the, the like, uh, wordless vocals, like the Buddy Holly thing they're doing. I don't know, parts of it remind me of, of early Weezer. For now, sure. Now, Ian, yeah, you Ian, have what, a
0: longer history. What's your take? Because you have a different context for
2: Weezer
1: I that do we don't I do,
0: have.
2: I do. I care deeply about Weezer, the Blue Album. I was a little older than you guys, probably 14 at the time really really struck a chord seeing the uh the uh spike jones videos those early days undone the sweater song buddy holly Uh, you know i was really in and then pinkerton comes out and it's really this like emotional and it's again we were talking time and place i mean that really spoke to me in high school i was in high school at time pinkerton and it was he was a little older but it was like you know, I, I res- a lot of those experiences resonated with me. But
1: well, I have a question that's related to that. So Pinkerton, when it came out, was like critically panned. How did did that affect you at all? Because I know that it was like Rolling Stone yeah, in the yeah, years yeah. after ranked it as like one of the worst albums of the decade or something. Yeah, yeah. And it has it's it's done like the Led Zeppelin one move where it is completely that's spun right. I, I actually completely procession.
2: forgot about that. Yeah. I got it at the time and I I really loved it. El Scorcho was a video that was yeah. the lead single. I was like, because yeah. a blue album really knocked me back and so then how could it not yeah and then El Scorcho came out and I was really into that I really got into it and I do remember that but but like you know I was into a band back then I just rushed out and bought it I didn't care I wasn't right. waiting for Rolling Stone to come out and I, I don't know and it, it stuck with me for a while and I remember that backlash and I remember then them just disappearing and and there was this mystery to the band and and then they came back and it, it, and it was, so that
0: seems to be kind of why you're you're dissenting from our opinion here is Jake and I obviously have a different context for the band in a different way that we enjoy them. You kind of had each of these releases that you experienced yeah. on their own. And when we mentioned that we were going to talk about the New Weezer album, that we liked it, you were kind of taken aback and you were surprised.
2: Why? I was, I why was is surprised. that? All right. Here's the thing I've just thought of. Right. So I know they're doing the blue albums. They're doing their albums. All right. So, this album as the White Album, dare they call it their White Album? (laughs) Yeah. Well, do they? I mean. So let's defer to the the, Beatles. The the Beatles. Because you're also, I mean, you're directly coming at that.
1: Well, here's the interesting thing is, like, I did think about that. It's like, what does it mean for a band to call an album the White Album? I mean, they know what they're doing, right? Yeah. But at the same time, there's two things that distance it a little bit. Is that one, Weezer has had a, a history of having the color, the blank color yes, album. Yes, yes, yes. The other thing, and this is not necessarily by their choice. I think another way that they're distancing this white album from the, the Beatles' classic white album is that this is a ten-track, thirty-four-minute album. The white album is a sprawling, four-sided epic right. of just like. Here's the thing, though. Like you're my Weezer. If
2: you're going to do your White Album, I want you to come out with your, Mm -hmm. like, harpsichord songs and, like, give me your, 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 like, your your two,
1: you know, like, I want Rocky Raccoon from you, then. Maybe this is reinventing what the White Album is (laughs) in a way that Let It Be by the replacements in reinventing Uh, what Let It Be. Fair enough, fair enough. All right. I like that. The end of the
0: White Album. Bottom line is, Jake and I enjoy this new Weezer album. We think it's catchy. Um, and, I,
1: and I implore you, Ian, to give it
0: a chance. It's yeah, former Weezer diehard. Yeah, hard. so for anyone out there who is kind of like, I don't know, Weezer 2016, really? Are they still relevant? I, I would say yes. I would say give them a try. This is a solid album. Ian, I would say the same thing to you. Fair enough. Will do. So early April has been just a a gold rush of of new albums coming out. (laughs) A windfall. Yeah, it's been a windfall. There's been
1: a bunch of good ones. So, uh,
0: we have a few more on our list that we just want to talk about. Maybe we hit these quick. Yeah, we will. So, uh, Pitchfork gave a best new music to the new Frankie Cosmos album, which I really really enjoy. So, this is like a 28 minute, like, delicate singer-songwriter kind of lo-fi pop record. What do you think about this, Jake?
1: Uh, I really like it. It's super quick, and it has grown on me. So, my first listen... I don't know if I wasn't listening for the right things or I just wasn't in the right mood, but it, it didn't hit me right away. Second, third, fourth, fifth listens, it's like really been been hitting home with me. This is an album of so it's it's only 28 minutes long and it is it 16 tracks, like 15 tracks. Yeah, so there's a lot of these quick hitting, just pop sort of gems yeah. on there, and and she's writing some really interesting poppy songs. She is on
0: there. the the way that she writes her lyrics are really cool. She puts you in a real like time and a place of, of certain like conversations or situations, which I really like. Did you know that she is Kevin
1: Klein's daughter? Who's Kevin Klein? An actor. What is what is he in? Well let's uh, see is a fish called Wanda. That's really a
2: best supporting actor. I dude, I honestly have no idea. He is in a fish called Wanda. He's in I
1: could be completely wrong. He's in uh, Wild Wild West. <laughs> <laughs> the, the Will Smith <laughs> classic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, he's yeah. in no he's in the twenty seventeen uh, reboot he, of Bo- Beauty. He is still a working actor. <laughs> <That's important. laughs> no, no, he's, like, get this—he's going to be in the 2017 Beauty and the Beast. So, okay, don't oh, write off Kevin Kline. Oh, sure. And he's oh. father of Frankie Cosmos, Sean. I did that's, not know that. It, that interesting that's fact. Tal- Tell interesting. Family. Talented fans.
2: Sure. I mean, you've never heard of him, so you. Know, <laughs> I mean, clearly. I apologize. That, that brings up something though, like how much does it help to have like kevin klein as your dad to kind of so uh, much that's the, you know like i, I was like i was feeling really great like love this album it's beautiful these little minarets of songs but like then I, like she's living in new york city she's experiencing these things but yeah. but you've got kevin klein Bankrolling you, living in New York City, oh, experiencing life. Yeah, that's uh, the definition of, of privilege. So yeah. in white privilege. I
1: don't mean to bring it up, but like it's, you know, it's it hasn't an been important frankly, to this. Cosmos. I don't want to take it away from like what she's no, doing with the song. No, no, it's fair, but but it's I, an interesting point. No, it's a very interesting point. I actually could I could agree with what you're saying there, and it does yeah. it changes your perception of her as an artist. Because instead you're thinking instead of like assuming that she's this sort of bohemian scraping by starving artist, you're like oh she probably has. A little bit of money to, to she's, help right. she's, she's push got like the, you know, a, a credit card with like you know, fifteen hundred dollars on it at least. I that's that, not that yeah. much. No, it's <laughs> not a lot. You know? Or her Frankie Cosmos thing is like, is really helping, like you know, getting her by financially. You never, I know. hope it no, is. Oh, yeah, either way, all, all the best. I don't, best new to, music from Pitchfork, it's, it's I, lovely stuff. I, I, I really like it.
0: Um, I've been enjoying it too. The next one we want to talk about quickly is Last Shadow Puppets. So this is Alex Turner of the Arctic Monkeys and his boy Miles, Miles Kane. Kane. Um, so this album is one where I actually I agree with kind of the critical consensus here where a lot of the songs are good. There's some definite highlights. There's some definite... Kind of middling, low lights on this album,
1: and and so I've only I've only given it the one listen so far. I did really enjoy it. I think the thing is, is like I like Alex Turner as a songwriter enough where I'm going to be excited to just hear his like voice on a song. Um, I think I could agree, even after just the one listen. I meant to listen again today, didn't get around to it. But I think I could agree there were songs where I definitely felt as I was going through, I was like, oh, this is sort of a sort of a sort of a dip, a dip, dip, dip from what we got a couple tracks ago. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I am excited to, to revisit it and to, and to listen to it some more. I, I
0: will say if you like what they did on their, on their last album, on their first album from 2008, which was eight years ago now, check it out. There's going to be things you like.
1: And if you like Alex Turner in general.
0: yeah, that, That's right, too. If you because like Alex Turner, you like Miles Kane, you're going to like some things on this
1: album. Because as we've discussed before about Alex Turner, there are many, many forms of him. You have the That's early right. Arctic Monkeys sort of borderline punk Alex Turner, and then you have singer songwriter Alex Turner. This is more in that vein. Right. So if you like Suck It and See, if you like you know maybe some of AM, I think you dig this this record. Yeah, for sure.
0: Uh, another one that came out, uh, Explosions in the Sky. I honestly the first one that I've listened to by them. I like it all the way
1: through. Me too. Yeah, yeah it's just like some it. ambient, it's, not, it's good. Um, you know, sort of slow building guitar. Uh, Friday Night Lights sounding, <laughs> <laughs> you know, little little rock in the anthems. I, it's actually it's really nice. I listened it's, to it a few yeah. times on a car ride down yeah. to Boston. I listened to it again uh, the other day. It's in, it's just enjoyable. It's nice yeah. like if you to put on in the background as you're yeah. doing something or, or whatever. Do you have a take on Explosions in the Sky? Oh, have you uh, ever listened?
2: Yeah, more than listened to. Uh, they're very nice guys because they put up with me one evening where it was like. So Super drunk at oh. one of their shows. It's a good and I thought thing, it was like, it you know, like, yeah, you know, you guys are so great. Like, I was that <laughs> guy. It was like, they were just there to sell a couple of t shirts, hang out at the merch table, they just played. It was uh, TT the Bears, I Don't Know the Year, uh, Explosions in the Sky, they were opening for, and you know, was, we'll know us by the Trail of oh, the day. It was a good show, so like, afterwards, I was like, yeah. <laughs> this Texas scene Austin I was like oh and they had like clips from Terrence Malick films I was like oh. but I was just like lots of pointing lots of oh. like yeah you guys like, are like yeah and they were just like alright alright this away guy is me, not dude. buying t-shirts right. there's another band playing They're lovely lovely people wow. they entertained me for like two and a half hours I sat like, I, I think I pulled up a chair and sat behind the merch wow. table I think I was selling merch at one <laughs> point I was
1: that is a wild story yeah. Not at all of <laughs> this, is, this is
2: an
0: example of what we're going to get into with big friend of the pod, Ian. We, Probably
1: like the one of the biggest friends of the pod,
0: <laughs> arguably the biggest.
1: He's defined sort of our sound. He, he the music he made for our intro, it, is what is you when you hear it as a listener, it, it perks you up and gets you ready for the listen-in pod.
2: It does. Your, it does. your pod is like my explosions in the sky. That's, I'm I'm here. Well, I'm crashing right. the merch table. If, I'm like you know you guys are awesome. <laughs> Let me just talk about you guys and take over the mic and What's, just. It's very appreciated. You know
1: what? I'll sell some t-shirts. I'll sell I, some t-shirts. I like that. I think we should get it. No joke. I think we should if we ever merchandise I think we should have a shirt called friend of, this friend of the pod yeah. ha-
0: like hashtag friend of the pod I or just friend like that. of the pod I like in blue and blue I actually red. really like that um, so just two more albums quickly we want to talk about another huge friend of the pod yeah Cambu Share. that's right of Sorority Noise um, so and Adam
1: uh, and also a friend of the pod and, and Adam, and, Adam uh, yeah
0: so they came out with a new project they're, they're part of what the AV club dubbed as like an emo super group yeah which I think is a fantastic way to describe these guys. So they started a new project called Small Circle. Um, they came out with an EP this past week. It's just three songs long. So what they're doing here is a little bit different than what you might be used to with Sorority Noise. Uh, instead of like the the big like guitar riffs and like huge choruses and and hooks, what they're doing here instead is kind of a more dialed back approach uh, and kind of just a more like indie rock.
1: Sound. Yeah, it's a more stripped-down, sparsely produced and recorded sound. And, and yeah, it's really, really enjoyable. And, and the, the female lead singer, I only know her by her first name, which is Marissa, because Cam has been tweeting about her, and I, fo- I gave her a follow on our Level 4 media account. So, Marissa, if you're listening, we gave you a follow. You should follow back as is courteous. <laughs> I love the, the verbal request. <laughs> right, yeah. She's already gotten the notification via Twitter. <laughs> like, right. you know, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe now she considers it. It's enjoyable stuff, and, it, yeah, it... it, it to me, it, it um, reminds me a little bit of, like, Ben Gibbard-type stuff, a little bit. Like like some postal service-y uh, death cab Postal service-y death cab <laughs> Those are two great adjectives, Those, uh, by the way. I <laughs> want to be described as that. Yeah, well, yeah, man, you can only hope. It's but not it's... redundant to say that? Uh... I think it isn't, because death cab obviously has the rock aesthetic, and postal service has the electronic. Oh, electronic. But here's where, the, here, here's yeah. where I draw the line. It's like, this is like... To me, it's it's um, minimal, like Postal Service, but it has it, it's like traditional rock elements right. and instrumentals. That's what? right. It's it's really good. It's like nine minutes long. And Check also, it out. Yeah. yeah. You, know,
0: you know what? We'll uh, we'll link to it in the comment section of this episode. We'll throw it in the, just a comment, real quick. Uh, the last one we want to talk about: Black Mountain. So this is their fourth album. It's entitled Four. So obviously derivative of a Led Zeppelin Four well, or something we, like that.
1: And in listening to the Stephen Hayden Celebration Rock podcast, he interviewed the lead singer of Black Mountain. Um, well, there's two singers. The female lead singer, whose name escapes me, comes down to preparedness. Preparedness, Sean, which we Jake. don't have. Um, I could Google it. I have a laptop, literally on my lap. Um, and but no in,
2: Wi-Fi in this basement.
1: Though. That's right. And so. Uh, what was I going to say about, about Black Mountain? I lost my train of thought. F- Led laptop. Zeppelin. Oh, oh, he talked about how there's, um, like we were saying about with the White Album, there's, there's something, you know what you're doing no. when you name an album no. just four. Because there's a, a storied lineage through the rock annals of, mm-hmm. of albums history called four. Led Zeppelin. <laughs> there you go, exactly. <laughs> and this is a, an album uh, replete with, with uh, huge metal-ish sort of uh, guitar riffs and hooks. Um, Big vocals. Yeah, so
0: I would describe this as like a a Frankenstein concoction of like Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin, and like some Pink Floyd thrown in as well. Or a little space rock. Yeah, it's all kind of thrown in together um, to, I would say, varying degrees of success. I enjoy this album. I don't know that it's as great as certain people are saying. There's certainly highlights on this, um, like cemetery breeding, which I've been texting Jake nonstop about.
1: Or the guitar riff on the first track. Which That's is oh, huge. Which is
0: huge. Yeah. There's certain other songs where I'm like, okay, I get what you're doing here. I've heard this before, though. But what I will say is this album is really, really interesting in the fact that it's 2016 you don't get a lot of kind of classic rock revivalism. No. You're not hearing things like this anymore.
1: No, and that's exactly what I was going to say, is that it seems like every few years or every decade or so, you get like the wolf mothers of the world that come around and they're like, you know what? Hell yeah, Led Zeppelin. Hell yeah, Black Sabbath. Yeah. Like, hell yeah, riff rock Mm. guitar. We're going to blast you over the head with just... Huge risk, yeah, and I think Black Mountain is a band that, that covers, part, and honestly, like they got their start in that era, yeah, they 05 did. 06. They did that's when they, I mean, they, so maybe they're if you are starved for some of that sound because, like you said, it's not all over the place. I think you, I mean, I, I don't seek it out enough to know where to look, but um, but I think if you're a fan of, of those types of, of bands, you should definitely check Black Mountain out for sure.
0: Uh, so yeah, a, a ton of albums came out this past week, it's kept us pretty busy. We're getting another slew of them this coming week, uh, particularly Frightened Rabbit is coming Ooh. out with their new album, which I'm very excited for. I'm really excited. Uh, so lots to talk about
1: in quarter two of 2016, Jake. Q2 is starting off strong, I, and I, and we can only hope I, that we find a bass player for, for Q2. The well, fan. we were looking for a, a keyboardist before, oh, who, which not. we found, which we have found.
0: However, our bass player... Yep. He is now in a Monday night bowling league.
1: He can't play bass anymore. So, is that what he told you? Yeah. What, what did he, he to- tell you? He told me he blew his knee out, did, and that he can't come to practice. Well, sounds like it sounds like the bass player from Q Two is is spinning a web of lies. I, maybe he's going solo. We got to get to the bottom of this. Yeah, we're gonna have to text him. We'll we gotta figure get to
0: it the out. But anyway, if anyone can play bass, give us a shout. Uh, So what we're going to do now is we are going to get into our interview section of the podcast, and we are talking to Ian Hughes. He is the the mastermind, I would say, (laughs) behind uh, musical project Bruna Boyne.
1: Yeah, and also the... Voice you heard through the first moments <laughs> That's of this podcast right, podcast with with Weezer hot takes yeah and with, yeah uh, I, I was there I was, I was jumping in, the in. Sky backstory. <laughs> with explosions in the sky really awesome stories yeah. about like yeah. selling their merch uh, drunk yeah, so, yeah. yeah 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 I did that so I
0: let you know Ian's gonna play us some some songs from from his new project but we kind of wanted to dive in first and and just ask him a little bit about what his experience is and, and, and kind of where he's coming from this from this project so. Ian, in your own words, how would you describe this, this musical project that you've embarked on?
2: Um, so, it, it, it started first, well, I, I've been doing various music projects for decade plus or so. I've, it was, I've always been recording music, recording to my four track, just amassing tapes, and always wanted to, to kind of get it out there, and, uh, so I, I've had some projects around town that I've, I've kind of, like, played out. I've been in a couple little bands, but uh, I, I, I keep getting the sense that, like, with each new idea, I have to kind of start over, and, like, it's a new thing. And, I, like, like it's, it's a restart every time. It, it's so hard to get something going that's not, like, you know, there's, there aren't venues in Manchester, New Hampshire for original music. You've got to be in a bar band, and I, I'm just... Not interested in that. I, I, this is the language that I speak, and I just want a place to to speak that language. And it's it, it, it's not necessarily here. But so I've been myself, kind of resetting every time out. And this is the first time where I've, with Bruna Boyne that I've, I've tried to like just take a look back and connect to everything that's come before and. I'm not even sure the question that I was asked in the first place. I think that's that's great context
0: and and, and background for it. So Ian and and ourselves specifically, we're we're based out of Manchester, New Hampshire. So, I mean, I'm sure a lot of the listeners out there probably haven't heard of Manchester, New Hampshire as a, a musical spot on the map.
1: It's not a stronghold of culture.
0: No, not necessarily. And I think this is something that is specifically trying to change that. So... You mentioned that there's not really venues in Manchester that kind of support an artist such as yourself or in like kind of independent music in general. So can you kind of speak to what, what it's like to be out there when there's no scene to kind of support you or, or what it's like to find a
2: venue to play at? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. It's interesting because I almost feel as somebody who's like almost 40, I have three children, I have a family, and this to me is just, like I said, it's just like kind of the the language that I speak, that it's, that it's okay, that I, I'm not trying to connect to a scene, I'm not trying to be a part of, uh, of something bigger. This is just, and there's enough of it in Manchester, and it's almost how Manchester is in general, that it's like... It's okay, and and that's kind of great that, yep. for what it is. Yep. It's not not the worst. It's not the that, best. That's and a great way to describe it. You know, it. like hey, I I can I have some friends that have a cafe, and I can play for a couple of hours, and I can express myself. And sure, I don't get hundreds of people to come see me, but I yeah. I, I, I I'm I can be in Manchester, and that's all okay. right.
1: Well, I'm interested in, in something you said. You said that. You're not necessarily trying to like conform to a certain sound or a certain genre or a scene or whatever, um, and the listeners will hear some of your music coming up. You're gonna you're gonna play live for us, which I'm I'm really excited for. We haven't done this yet, um, but uh, if you had to describe it in terms of genre or or um, or however you want to 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 put it in words, w- how would you describe the music that is uh, Bruna Boyne, which I hope I'm pronouncing right? Yeah, so. yeah, no, no,
2: definitely is right. Um, uh, so for this project it was born kind of there was this RPM challenge and that's something that originated out of the Seaco's The Wire Uh, they started this thing I think it's the 11th year now that they're doing it and every February the the challenge is record an album and for no other reason you don't there's no contest there's no nothing you know like just hey record an album and that was enough for me to get started Bruna Boyne for me and and it's grown into like this vision that I really uh, I'm I'm seeing things with now and it were in April but in January January 31st it didn't even exist Mm -hmm. it was like this RPM challenge came along and uh, like it's like other things like National Writers Month where it's just you know hey write a novel because you've always wanted to you're you're planning on you're doing this and this is the month you're going to do it and uh, so 11 years in and and People from, I mean, they have thousands and thousands of entries, Europeans, uh, they have like a, a New Brunswick office, I think, that also does the RPM Challenge, it, it's grown, so the thousands of entries, I decided, I think I've signed up for the past six or seven years in a row, I've never actually done it. Though I record albums, I've never like, you know, let's jump into February and record an album, so I, uh, I just, I just kind of dove in, wanted to look back on my past, and I, I'm somebody who is, uh, my, my family's Irish. We came here when I was 10 years old, so I have this kind of immigrant From experience. Ireland? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so uh, there's a past musically that I'm trying to connect to, and there's a past, like, me and ancestrally that I'm trying to connect to with Bruna Boyne. Uh, and so, so chasing something there, I'm not even sure, but I, I started it... February 1st didn't have this sense of where this project was going and here I am a couple months later and I'm I'm chasing something yeah. kind of it, it deeper d- it, than myself. It and, definitely seems like it has become a fully fleshed out
0: idea after this RPM challenge in February. So I, I've been someone who you know, you've know you talked to throughout this process and you're saying, you know, I have this idea, I have some songs written, mm-hmm. like, I, I have a direction where I'm going. Um, so one of the most interesting things to me is kind of the the backstory of this album and its influences. So a lot of the songs on it are traditional Irish folk songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But reimagined in how would you even describe? How would you describe this
2: genre? Actually. Um. So I think I'm describing it as like uh, ancient folk or electronic folk or something, mm-hmm. you know. But it's just man, like you start reading these lyrics and it's like you like hear those early Dylan albums and I don't want to like bring up Dylan but it's like like in in the sense oh you know in in the same sentence as me but like but you know what what he did in those early albums is like he wasn't like stealing from folk he wasn't like he was just like he he connected with that shit, man. Like, he felt that deeply, and he twisted well, words here and there, and he's just
1: like, this this is also me. Well, this it is... was part of a tradition. It was yeah. part of, like, it was the handing down of, of these old traditional songs. Exactly. That's part of what it's about. Which is
0: 100% what Ian has been doing with this. And it's, it's, it's very interesting, because I know you've been posting on Facebook kind of the backstory of a lot of these songs, and it's really cool to see, like, how far they date back. So, like, are these songs that you've kind of had... In your
2: consciousness
0: throughout your entire life, or did you do any research
2: in going back? No, I'll, I'll tell you. Like, so one of the songs I'll, I'll do, "Rakes of Mallow." Like, I, I've never heard these songs performed in my life. I've I never even heard it. I know, like, and for this, like, I didn't even seek out a recording or hear how I'm. And like, and I know, I'm sure the Chieftains and the Clancy Brothers all done it. But like, I, like I, I, just read the words. It was like. Yeah, yeah, I get this shit. Yeah, it's yeah. <laughs> like, all right, let me do yes. my like. Yes. This is this is how I'm feeling. It, you know, this dude or this this woman, this whoever who wrote this back in seventeen twenty, whatever. Yeah, you, we would hang out. We, we would. <laughs> yes. I know what you're talking about. Yep. You, she might be
1: a little freaked out by some yeah, of the sounds. Oh no, Sure, sure, sure. Buy. I'm coming in hot and happy on this one, <laughs> but. Yep. Yep. What's interesting is that what what you just said about just reading the words and writing something about it. Reminds me of a story that I hope is true That I'm pretty sure I know is true Let's Is, go with it, is that Paul McCartney wrote Golden Slumbers Based on just words he found He just yeah. like, he can't read music And he sat down at his father's piano I think it was Golden Slumbers or it was one of those songs On that like the end medley <laughs> where he read the words and just made up his own melody for it It actually sounds i mean again dylan and mccartney you can compare it <laughs> to no, yes. i was just like all right, right we're setting this shit up like uh, it's like a little bit dylan it's a little bit mccartney it,
2: it you know just takes those elements well, and they're not I fair
1: comparisons it. obviously but it just reminded me of that
2: yes. for sure
0: so you mentioned that this is kind of like um an electronic folk sort of genre as an artist does genre matter to you as a as a descriptor? Because, you know, we we were talking to to Cam and Adam from Story Noise, big friends of the pod, big friends of the pod, huge friends of the pod, and they were like, no, I don't really, I don't look at genre as a specific thing. Like they don't see themselves as part of like the emo genre or the pop punk genre. Is it this kind of the same for you? Where you're like, no, I, I'm just making my music.
2: Um. Not exactly. What I, what I think is, like, we're all making folk music. This is the music of the people. This is, like, you know, uh, it, it, it's bigger than that. It's, like, they're right. Yeah, it's not those genres that we're all breaking down to. It's, like, it's not that we have to break, you know, electronic folk or, or, or anything. It's, it's just these, these are the connections that I'm making, and I'm connection with, making connections with humans, and it's, it's all folk music to me. That's very interesting. I, I actually really like that as as kind of a, a catch-all Absolutely. for everything.
1: Absolutely. That's, that's really, really cool. So what what would you think about, about doing a song at this point? Then maybe we get into some of the songwriting processes. Yeah, after yeah, that. let's do it. Yeah. Wanna do a song now? Yeah, yeah. Please. Okay, let's do, let's do it. Let me Alright, so here is Bruna Boyne with This Raking Life. was uh, Bruna Boyne with uh, This Raking Life, uh, thanks Ian for playing it. Um, really enjoyable and so uh, what I wanted to jump in with is a question about the songwriting process for some of this stuff. What, What is your songwriting process and how did it differ for this this uh, Bruna Boyne project than maybe in the past or if it did at all? How do you write songs? I guess is the question ultimately. It's uh, a great
2: question.
1: It's a um, tough one, I know that.
2: Yeah, um, I'm, I'm always chasing instinct so I, I i think like I, st- I always start with like i have a process now where i'm like all right here's the beat here's the here's the baseline here's the, the like but i just like i want to i want to like kind of box myself in the corner with each thing so i just like start it and I'm, like all right i like this this is the beat that i'm going to chase and then i chase this the next sounds that come and keep so i'm always like running and uh, like uh, I always think of my songwriting process as like uh, Joseph Albers. Uh, I don't know if you, the visual artist, okay. Bauhaus, kind of at okay. Black Mountain yeah. College, yeah. where all he painted for his entire life was squares inside squares inside squares, mm-hmm. and True. he shifted the positions of the squares and squares inside squares, like three squares but different colors, different shades, but just different positions. So that's, that's always what I'm chasing. I, I only I, I know I'm limited and i know this is where i can go but i'm just chasing the squares inside the squares inside the squares
0: very cool Page. that's
2: that's fascinating to me
0: that that's actually really really cool and i've i honestly you don't know how many interviews i've listened to of artists where they ask like what's your songwriting process and there isn't an answer like as nuanced or interesting as that chasing
1: squares and <laughs> squares? No, no I am serious. I know I know you. Oh, no, uh, yeah. no, no, I wasn't being sarcastic. No, I meant that legitimately. I was oh, yeah. like, no, you're it's right. It's okay to be chasing squares. Yeah, no, yeah. that's no, that actually totally. a,
0: like you know, an <laughs> awesome answer. Well, it
1: almost reminds me of like how uh, it's almost, and maybe this is not what you're describing at all. No, I'm no, but no, no, like uh, uh, the, that condition called synesthesia, where you mm-hmm. like color synesthesia, where like Jimi Hendrix had it, Frank Ocean has it, where you like hear color and, like, the two senses are combined. I don't know if that's what you meant at all, but, it, but describing art in, you know, sort of yeah. conjunction with music.
2: I, I don't claim to have that, yeah. but I'm chasing something. Yeah. I, I feel like just, as and, and I feel like when I'm tired or when it's not, like, I, I, I know when it's not there, and I know when it's there. Right. And so as long as I just keep it's 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 very strange. So it but, sounds
1: like but, it's a creative process that more is like you go into it not knowing what it's going to come out with. You don't go in. No, I think like, that's pretty the, common among songwriters, yeah. right? But you go in and you let it sort of you almost follow it where it's it wants to go. Yeah, is is sort of. Yeah.
0: So to recap, we have described Ian as <laughs> Paul McCartney,
1: <laughs> Bob Dylan, Frank Ocean. Yeah, 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 yeah and yeah. Jimi Hendrix. <laughs> Actually, none of whom do you sound like, really. No, which is interesting. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I actually,
0: I have a question. So, Ian, you you mentioned earlier that you you have a kid, you have kids, you have a family, full time job. What is that like
2: with writing songs, and how does that influence the songwriting process? It's the same thing. It's like in life, you're just kind of you gotta chase the same thing. I don't, I don't, I don't know, and it's it's. It, it, I mean, my wife, Lydia, uh, and uh, the... Big, big friend up. of the pod. Let me big, interject. Huge, big huge. friend of the pod. Yeah. Continue, sorry.
1: Yeah, no. No, it's, wait, No. that bears repeating. <laughs> Lydia's a friend of the pod. She is. She now, is. now, continue. Um,
2: <laughs> so, I had this block. We first got together over 10 years ago. We have a 10-year-old child. Um, back when we got together, I mean, I was still... Chasing things, but I, I I always felt limited by the lyrics, and this is also why I'm chasing Irish folk music. I'm like I don't want to write the words because when you're chasing squares, like I don't want to also have to be thinking about this. I'm I'm pursuing something, and I but I know what I'm pursuing. Like I'm connecting to that this song from 1740 in Ireland, and and back then she wrote me some some words, and I will I will sing them soon hopefully. Um. Where was I going? Oh, but, but, but having a family, it's like, you have to have this harmony in all of the parts of your life. It's like, you can't, I, 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 don't, I don't know. Well,
1: like, in, in terms of just finding time to be creative and finding time to, to, to actually sit down and say, okay, now I will write a song, or now I'm going to think about this RPM challenge. Like, how do you find that, like, there's got to be with work, with family whatever whatever other hobbies you might have there must it's about you know it's really how do you balance the different um, elements I mean, I mean and that that's that's
2: it you can't do any of those things unless all of them are in balance and and so like in in my family life I'm same thing I'm I'm making the same decisions that I'm making that I'm making in music I'm making the the best decision that I can make at that exact moment mm-hmm. in time At work, I want to be the most positive person that I can be. Somebody says something negative, I want to turn it into a positive experience. If a beat is going this direction and it's heading, you know, into this certain space, I want to make it the best beat that it can be. And then the synth that I line over that. And then, you know, the the interaction with my kid that's like, you've just got to just chase the most positive thing that you can chase in that moment in time. Absolutely. And so do you
0: find that you need to carve yourself out time to be able to to go and make these songs or is it kind of a known thing where it's like oh like in like this is his time to go do this right yeah. now yeah, Dad's yeah, done yeah.
2: I, I mean that's that's a beautiful thing about my family is that i'm allowed that time and i will allow my family members that time and it's great. You, everybody needs we- time to be an individual and alone and chase their own
1: thing and going back to what you were saying about the songwriting process I think a really interesting thing is that like I I dabble a little bit in writing songs I try Mm -hmm. to, to put some stuff together and one thing that has always felt like a hindrance to me is that I never feel like I can get lyrics perfect and it is interesting that you say, like that, what you just said, is like almost finding these folk lyrics and just using them as a muse or something and following where yeah. that wants to go. Yeah. It almost sounds like it took that out of the equation and allowed you to just yeah. explore things. Yeah, it, sounds right? exactly. it's, yeah.
2: it sounds like it's a freeing thing. It it, it absolutely has been. I, I couldn't write the music. If I played you songs that I'd written before I met Lydia, they were... I would be embarrassed by them because mm. the words were, were limiting. But once I was freed from that and I could just chase that, and that—that's what Dylan did. I mean, that's what he did in those early albums. He unlocked that. He chased it, and then the, the world opened from yeah. there. There it,
1: does seem to be something about channeling into that tradition. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It seems like—it seems like it's—it's. It's We've been around here for tens of thousands of years, man. <laughs> right.
2: We've said this shit before, man. <laughs> we started speaking. We like these—these these basic truths have been said since the beginning of time, man. We're—we're we're not, you know tapping into something new it's been no, there absolutely so you mentioned
0: dylan are there any other artists that you think are an influence on this in terms of sound or you know you mentioned tapping into kind of this folk tradition are, are there any artists that that you would
2: say have influenced you along the way Ah, uh, yes I, I hate to, to mention the Holy Trinity, but it is Bob Dylan, Brian Eno, an Aphex Twin for
1: me. Is, the is Holy Trinity, is. of course, of course, <laughs> it is the classic Holy Trinity: Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. <laughs> It'll be, yeah, it almost—it's almost such a trope. Yeah, I I know everybody else is saying it's so I, I Aphex yeah, Twin, Eno, and Dylan, of course. <laughs> and you know what? I think that's
0: a pretty perfect way to describe kind of the aesthetic that is that is coming from this. I yeah, think I, I, I think that's very accurate. Um, So I want to talk a little bit about New Hampshire as um, a place for people to create music and create art. Do you find that New Hampshire in general is supportive of local artists or local music?
2: Um... No, but (laughs) yes, but you know, like we've got some great things happening, the RPM Challenge has been here for a while, and it got me to make an album, got me excited, and there's stuff happening on the seacoast, and I have, my friend Eric's got a music festival thing in spring out in Peterborough, and there's stuff happening, there's stuff happening, and, but it's not happening where the populations actually happen.
1: Well, there
2: sure. there's only so many people that can live in Portsmouth, there's only so many people that can live in Peterborough. The people are actually living in Manchester, and there's
1: nothing here. Well, the problem with, I think part of the problem of getting a scene going in a major city in New Hampshire is that we're so close, it's such a small state, and we're in such close proximity to some real culture hubs. With Boston, a 45-minute drive south, with Portland, about an hour drive north-ish, you know, so it, um... We're sort of really close to that stuff, and it almost is like it hasn't had to develop around here. That's not to say there's no. no you kind could of get city. 100
2: people to come out any given night in Manchester yes. if right. so and so came to town. Absolutely. I, I, I absolutely agree, but, you know. So,
0: in your mind, what would it take to get a better music scene in Manchester or southern New Hampshire in general? Because. I know that you have, have spoken to a, a couple of different artists that you know, um, where like they're, you know, bands are looking for a place to come that is kind of the in-between of Boston and Portland or Boston and Canada, where they're like, you know, we want to come to Manchester, but there's no place to be able to do that. So what, kind
2: of, what do you, in your mind, what are the, what would change that? You know, it's funny, as you as we were asking that question, I, I, I started th- I had this thought, like, I don't think it could ever happen in New Hampshire, because that is the New Hampshire ideal, is that, like, like, fuck everything, like, live free or die, like, we ain't gonna have any scene, we ain't gonna say, associate with anyone, libertarians come into some part, like, it's like a political thing to have no scene in New Hampshire, it's like, it's almost like, that is New Hampshire's thing, is no scene, and I, I think we will...
1: That's a, that's a really good point is that and I think um, I had never thought of it that way and I think what's actually one thing that's starting to change that story a little bit is the the 3S art space that's yeah, open in Portsmouth yeah, and we're yeah. starting to get some sort of cool uh, what hop along is coming. we saw Animal Collective yes, there yes, yes. uh, Waxa hatch will be there. Julian Baker's gonna be Julian, there. Yeah. So the
2: appetite has always been there. Yeah. it's always been there so somebody could make money on that but they, but for what yeah. of reason I don't know, I don't know.
1: Yeah, I think maybe part of it also has to do with it's just a small state with not a huge, you know. I, I think
0: you could argue. Look, I mean, we've seen some big music scenes pop up over the last few years. I mean, let's not let's not talk about like a Brooklyn because that's always going to be there. We've seen Philadelphia, also another major metropolitan area. But, you know, I'm starting to hear rumors on Twitter of, like, a South Dakota or, like, an Oklahoma City music scene that's starting to pop up. Like, why can't that happen in New Hampshire? Why can't that happen in Manchester? Is it, it because could. no? Is it, it because could. we're so close to these other cultural centers? I,
1: I do think it has something to do with it's not that it can't happen. It's that we get lumped in just naturally with the Boston scene.
2: Maybe it's that it's right. I mean, tomorrow it's going to goddamn happen because guys asked the question. <laughs> <laughs> but the the other thing with that is there are literally
0: no venues to play at in Manchester. You you can't go get a you well, can't play unless you are a bar band doing cover songs. can't With the exception of like uh, with the
1: Shaskeen or or you have to be like a really, really popular act to play the Verizon. Right. So like we had Death Cab for Cutie play the Verizon, which is a cool show. But they're at the point now where they're no longer like this isn't this isn't transatlanticism or, or pre photo album Death Cab for Cutie. And, this and is...
2: like three hundred people came to that show. Was and it? Like, really? Was Yeah, it was embarrassingly bad. Like my friend went to that show and. Like they just walked up to the stage and there was just a tiny tiny Oh, crowd. I didn't realize so, that. So like, what yeah. it embarrassing
1: to see? Just yeah. pass? Yes, yes.
2: I feel
0: terrible. I, I know.
2: We all should have gone. It I bought I s- bought a, a
0: ticket <laughs> to that. I, I didn't end up going.
2: Yeah, but they put an inflatable <sighs> wavy wacky hands thing in your place because they were trying to fill slots. Everyone who bought a ticket one of those used car salesman things. So I guess that begs the
0: question. Is there a demand for this in Boston? Because an established
1: in, in, Indy Act,
0: who, I mean, Indy is a contentious word for that. I mean, they're an established no, act at this point. Maybe it's not here.
1: Well, that's what I'm saying. Maybe dude. there's not a demand. That's what I'm saying, is that this is, we're not even talking about Death Cab for Cutie from, like, the late 90s, early 2000s. We're talking about them as established with right, all of Ben right, Gibbard's like, fame. Like a
2: few months ago, and they couldn't fucking, I mean, like, they couldn't have filled the Shaskeen with who they got to go to the Verizon. Which
1: is sad, <laughs> and it, it does, it, it begs the question about just, it's what is going on. It just is not part of the culture, It's just that yes.
2: Yeah, I, I think that's it. I think that's part of the New Hampshire culture. It's like even if Manchester it's bigger, the, if it starts to get big, like well because you, know.
1: you, you go over to Portsmouth and people are into or there's clearly demand for so, venue, Yeah, like, For that, example,
0: 3S Art Space has been doing some great things like we just mentioned Animal Collective, who I would put on the same plane as a Death Cab in terms of popularity. Yes, yeah, around there. At that's least around out. there.
2: It's, it's that, the stem of my Holy Trinity. The, right, exactly. It's the tree trunk.
0: <laughs> yeah. that, that show sold out in like five to ten minutes. Mm-hmm. Granted, it was like a 400-person venue, but that you, can't, you can't tell me a thousand people in New Hampshire didn't want to go see Animal Collective or people from the surrounding area. And that's what I'm talking about. Like, I think there's a demand there. It's just you need to be able to tap into it. And w- with not having... A uh, venues to play at like for example in Boston you have the Royale you have the Brighton Music Hall you have the Sinclair you have all these clubs you have even Great Scott which is a very small like bar in a Austin. club in Alston. like these are places where smaller bands can go play maybe you don't know who they are specifically but you're gonna go out and see them because they're at these venues who have been known to have like up and coming bands
2: interestingly though like T.T. the Bear has recently closed. I mean so that's the that's the venue that I saw explosions in the sky. Like so venues are closing in Boston. Well, I mean I, I I don't know if we have the data.
1: Well, uh, that's we true. don't we don't and another part of the discussion is what it takes frankly is someone who's who's entrepreneurial and wants to start up yeah, a yeah, venue. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like we need but someone like with like capital the, I know. <laughs> to open a music venue I mean, with the intention of of bringing bands so like this there. So we're down. putting out
2: this entire podcast has been our Shark Tank pitch to, like, Let's get it. a
1: venue get in New us. Hampshire. Well, it's interesting you say this, because I remember when we went and we saw... This is a sort of a while ago, but we saw Beach House in Portland. And I remember we went out to eat after. It was some friends. And, and there was a guy there who... I, I ran into, and he was talking about how I think he booked concerts or something. He was a booking agent or something like that. Yeah,
2: you and usually meet those guys late right. at night. Yeah. Well, <laughs> and, right, <laughs> in Portland. Diners, late like diners. Seriously. Yeah, yeah.
1: And what he said to me, he was like, he was like, so you guys are from New Hampshire? I said, yeah. He's like, where where can I book someone in New Hampshire? And the truth is, is it what it's going to take, really, we can say, what is it about the culture? What is it about the scene? Yeah. But what it ultimately is about is just there's not really a venue. No. There's not like You need someone who wants to open a venue and make it about that. More than
0: that, I, th- I think there are people who want to do that and who have a vision to do that. I think you're looking at three people in this room who would be interested in doing that. The thing is, I don't know that there is infrastructure or backing in place from the other cultural touchstones of the state to be able to do that. Do you see NHPR pushing live music in new hampshire at all portsmouth has a a great scene in terms of prescott park shows and 3s art space where where is that in new hampshire or or in in manchester it's not there what support are we getting from literally anybody else yeah but but
1: like at the same time you're almost asking that question in like this universal way like why aren't we being given this and it has to do with i think someone going out and making it you need to have yeah. the space and like you have Strange Brewer with people they just want they just want blues bands or yeah, Shaskine, yeah. They, you know, they do some rap nights and stuff nah. tan Vampires plays there a little bit but for the most part it's it, it comes down to someone like I think creating the culture I think people would come I think I just think it depends again on the demand and if someone can can afford to bankroll setting something like that up because it's like no joke to start a venue like hey, that
0: you're right it's easier said than done um, and like If you fail at that, like it's, there's, like, if you don't get the bands, or if they do come, and and then no one comes. That's the other thing is,
1: you have to attract the the musicians. You have to actually attract the bands. And it it seems like Portsmouth is just starting to do that with the 3S Art Space. And I don't know. I mean, maybe that has something to do with the proximity to, like, Portland and the coast. I don't know.
2: I I think, I think we just. Heard level four media,
1: like, commit to starting
2: a live space in Manchester, New Hampshire, Bruna Boyne, opening up very soon. You joke.
0: That is something that I would honestly love to do, or or would love to actually be a part of in some way. I'm throwing
2: it out there. It's happening two, three Fridays from now, opening night.
0: Honestly, I I think (laughs) if we
2: could... Pop-up shop, you know, you can get the the Kardashian Kanye shirts, you know, come on in. This is becoming
0: ambitious. (laughs) Look, all I'm saying is, if there were any sort of venue that catered to what we're trying to do or be a part of, I would try my hardest to be a part of it and promote it and and just...
2: like I'd be be all in on it. This is how it starts. You had one basement last week with two people. This week you have two basements with three people. like like And then there was four basements right. with, with twenty people. So let me and, ask you, know, you this.
0: Actually, this is an interesting question. So, do you know of a network of other artists? <laughs> in no, 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 I'm serious. Do you know like of any other artists in the state where like DIY shows can become a thing? Because you know we mentioned Cam a lot on this show, but he is someone who does a lot of do-it-yourself shows in people's basements, in houses, just wherever they can do them, and that's how scenes start. Is there anything like that that you have seen or
2: would <laughs> like to be able to do? Yes, but in New Hampshire, I think that's part of the spirit. It's like, you got to keep that shit secret. You Correct. can't, like, share it with other people. It's like, yeah, yeah, I do, but it's exclusive, so only 30 people can come to this show or only, you know? like. So that's that's the thing It's live free or die you got to find your own exclusive concerts to well, go that, to
1: that's like how cam was telling us that when he he helped modern baseball book a show one of their first shows in New Hampshire it was back in like 2012 and then the i think it was at the courier or something
0: no it was it was at the New Hampshire Institute of Art that's right
1: that's right yeah and he and it ended up falling through and he had it at one of our friends from or one of our uh, acquaintances from high school and middle school's basement um, they played an acoustic show. They put an acoustic show, and he said there was like fifteen people there total. Yeah. But and I guess people didn't know, or whatever. right.
0: And then you have us like hyping modern baseball in like every single show that we do, mm-hmm. and
2: and they're playing like twenty feet from you. Yeah, he's, he's like, you know, it's interesting them,
0: you guys <laughs> ask about them because two years ago, you know, no one came to this show. So it's an awareness thing. It and is, it is. There's
2: a, there's there's a lot, lot of uniquely
0: it, new, of
2: new Hampshire elements yeah, So b- before,
0: before you play your last song, um, I, I had a cu- couple quick questions for you. One was, what is some of your favorite new music that you've been listening to from 2016 so far?
1: A couple quick hits, albums. And oh, well,
2: 2016 is, is Black Star. I mean, that's for so sure. far for me. It's just, you know. Yeah, that's yeah, I confronted death. It's I'm still actually sure. as I take my last breath. I will <laughs> think of Star. So yeah, you know. So all and right. that's one that we we've talked in depth about. Yes. We actually yeah, we did a review record. pod, of course. And Bowie, yeah, I, yeah. I I loved it before the man of course took his last breath. As I was listening to the album, of course, trying to resuscitate. I mean, <laughs> of you course. know. So, final question there's there's been
0: legend about uh, there's been it just whispers here and there about this El Paso story So Ian has lived an interesting life. He spent some time down in Texas and he has this interesting story about El Paso that involved a punch in the face about something I don't even have the full details of it I, Is this something you'd like to share ah not even details, maybe no, just an
2: overall... Sure, overall, of, back yeah. in the day, so pre-family,
0: you know. For, for the listeners at home, this is like, this is a true rock and roll story. <laughs> they, you know what, this might end up being a spin-off podcast called The Listen-In Podcast, True Rock and Roll Stories. Yeah,
1: it could be like almost like behind the music. whole different sure, type it, of it's like
0: the It's like the the uh,
2: True Hollywood Stories from yeah. Chappelle's show. True. Yeah. Charlie yeah. Murphy. The, all of those things. I mean, not these. I mean, whatever superlatives we have, let's <laughs> let's throw them at me right <laughs> that's now. That's what they is, are. Yeah, you know, I'm a dude in the second basement in New Hampshire. <laughs> it's important, though. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, so man, like, I I don't know. I connected with you know the '60s idea. I mean, like, Simon and Garfunkel, America. That that's what I was going for. I mean, I was. I, I I I don't know. I like I, I got in a car accident I think when I was 22 and I got like three thousand dollars because someone almost killed me. So I was like, all right, fuck this, I'm getting out of here. Let's let's see how far three thousand dollars can get me. I bought an open-ended Greyhound bus ticket and fucking put uh, Simon and Garfunkel America on the headphones and I set off. I didn't have a partner, but I, like you know, let's 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 see what I could find. I ended up I don't know I don't know where El Paso comes into the story anyway I, I end up I get off on a bus and I'm in El Paso and this is like you know at the driving or having a reunion now and so I, I know I had I had mentioned that to you like I had asked you if you had thought about at the driving uh, I know I was chasing something there I knew they were from there I knew there was a scene and it was like what the what, what is El Paso so I, I was hanging out there met some people. And at that point, at the drive-in had already kind of disbanded, but there was, like, this mythic element. Like, you can get out of El Paso, Texas, if you're at the drive-in. I mean, that was almost a vibe. So, like, people were, like, rocking out hard. They yeah. really were. Like, I would go to, like, local clubs, and, like, people were trying to, like, really, like, melt your face off. Uh, I don't even know what that when means. When you
1: say at the drive-in, you're referring to? The, the band. Okay.
2: Uh, Who I'm also, also, one evening we went to the drive-in and we saw some great movies. No. <laughs> <laughs> so we were both at the drive-in, listening to at the drive-in, at the drive-in. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I don't know where I was going. Anyway, I end up meeting somebody. We were hanging out deep in El Paso. I don't remember. I got punched in the face in Juarez, Mexico. (laughs) Juarez. Yeah, yeah. We crossed the border, and there's something about
0: this face that's just punchable. (laughs) If Breaking Bad and the movie Sicario have told me anything, it's that Juarez is a place that you probably don't want to be in, and
2: that you don't want to be getting punched (laughs) in the face. You don't. And you know what you don't want to do is, like, play the best goddamn pool game of your life. (laughs) Like, two, like, like, there was, like, three dudes in like cowboy hats like mexican of course, dudes of course just, like, i didn't understand i was hanging out with some uh some girls she was chatting with a bartender she spoke spanish she was like in conversation these guys we gestured enough that we knew english like all right i was to be the fourth in the game yep. and for a reason i was shooting like i was just like banging it and it was like things were banging up banging up, and i i ended up winning and this is all. This is all connecting now. I ended up winning like a bucket of Tecate beer, and the bartender like poured me. The, like I was like, all right, like best pool game of my life. I left the bar, and somebody came up and punched me in the face. So what you're telling me Ian, is you
0: basically, <laughs> basically got yourself into like some sort of verbal contract over a pool game, and you hustled some people. I did.
1: I did. And got I, I I in the hustled
0: face. them out of it a bucket like of beer,
2: and I got punched in the face for. A decade plus of my life. I thought I was just punched in the face for no reason. Thank sounds, you, listening f- for podcasts, media. Sounds like sounds all like of we've got d- some clarity. Do for like. Yeah, yeah this, this, is, is, this is this is like therapy. therapy. Yeah. This is, yeah. Yeah. every week now it <laughs>
1: yeah. is. I, I think it sounds like we've brought you some clarity and some, clarity, <laughs> which 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 I think we can we can all be very proud. of We can of. hang yeah. our hat on that. We can. So <laughs> I, th- I think with that.
0: With that being said, let's let's roll into the the final song. Ian will 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 take us out. Uh, what's
2: this song called? Uh, this song is called Waves in Ronde Giovanni. Okay. Awesome. So Ian's going to play that for
0: us. If you enjoyed what you heard today, which how could you not? This was, I mean, maybe an all-time episode for us. <laughs> Subscribe on iTunes, uh, the level, uh, the Listen In podcast. You can also listen to us on SoundCloud and Stitcher. Uh, also, check us out on Twitter at level4media. Uh, and check us out on our blog as well at uh, level4media.net. Ian, anything that you would like to plug? How about how about your your musical project,
1: Br- <laughs> oh, Boyne. Yeah,
2: Bruno Boyne? Ah.
1: Check
0: him out on SoundCloud as well. Uh, he'll be there. We're gonna try. It's, it's
1: spelled B R U, N A. Yep. B O I N E. Did I get that right? Two N's. And Two N's. N's. Two N's Dang. So we're gonna
0: we'll, we'll link to him in the comments section of our um, of our of our podcast today, uh, and yeah. So Ian's
2: gonna play us out. Thanks for listening. Am I kicking this off?
1: You are. I am.
2: I am. So this song is called Waves in Ray Don Giovanni. So in Ray Don Giovanni is a Mozart piece. And uh, Michael Nyman, late 20th century class composer. If uh, you took the recent BuzzFeed quiz, if you've ever gone deep into late 20th century classical composers, you would be where I am today. I happen to sample one of those composers for this piece. Later with some guitar tracks, Michael Nyman is my man. Uh, Lydia, my wife, had written these words. Naturally, it all, all came together. So, you know, we had, what What do we drop for me? Dylan, we've... Uh, yeah. Dylan, Frank Ocean, Jimi Hendrix, Paul McCartney. That all well, sounds let's, right. Let's add Michael Nyman and there Mozart to the mix. <laughs> <laughs> let's drop this tune. <laughs> Here we are. We fight against the waves. We fight against the waves. We fight against the waves. We fight against the waves.